Hello, it is Friday, March 27th, and you might run through a wall today. Hey, PJ Flex stopped by? That guy is good. Head coach of the Minnesota Gophers, I predict future president of the United States. I'm just saying, I think you'll hear it. You'll hear it too. Tweet me actually when you hear it and say, you know what? I heard it while you were right. SeatGeek is our presenting sponsor, but obviously there's no live events right now, so we will wait until live events pop off to let you know that SeatGeek is the greatest ticket-buying platform on planet Earth and the moon. But today's show, we have a brand new sponsor. I'm pretty pumped up about this. Is brought to you by Rad Power Bikes. Rad Power Bikes is getting tons of great press. They were voted best affordable electric bike in five categories by electricbikereview.com. They don't fuck around. And they're the largest electric bike brand in North America. I've heard about the, the Rad Power Bike and the electric bikes, and this is the one that's winning all the awards, obviously. Obviously. It's a cross between a traditional bike and a moped, but it doesn't require a special driver's license like a moped would. Go up to 20 miles an hour without pedaling so you can get out and about without getting sweaty. This sounds like the perfect thing for spring and summer here. It's affordable. Their bikes start at $1,200 and all are under $1,500. Other e-bikes, they can be in the $3,000 range. Half the price of some other e-bikes. Great for commuting, getting out on the trail, hauling groceries, or even transporting your kids on the back. To show appreciation to those that serve us, especially in this time, Rad Power Bikes is offering $100 off all e-bike purchases for active and ex-military, first responders, teachers, and students. They are a dedicated U.S.-based customer support seven days a week to answer any questions or concerns. It makes the perfect gift for someone who loves being active and outdoors. Rad Power Bikes offers flexible financing for as low as 0% APR. And right now, as a limited time offer, get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike. That's right. Get a free gift of up to $100 in value and free shipping to the lower 48 states. To get this special offer, text the word NFL to 64000. That's NFL to 64000. Text NFL to 64000. So you get a free gift with the purchase of a bike. And if you're active or ex-military, first responder, teacher, or student, you get $100 off everything. Okay, so now we're playing the game. So you're getting a free gift of 100 bucks, And if you're in those professions, you're getting $100 off. Everybody else, we're still making money. Let's go. We're still having a good time here. We're still having a good time with our rad power bike. CFFL, please buy one to ten of these for the office, please. Stat. Thank you. Let's get to the show. We're being joined by the head coach of the Minnesota Gophers. Last year, a team that I had projected in the college football playoffs. Lost the game late. Went on an incredible run last year, though. Only growing to bigger and better things. Friend of the show, ladies and gentlemen, Coach P.J. Fleck. Yeah! 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 Coach! Yeah! Yeah! Appreciate it, Pat. Thanks for having us on the show, man. Hey, the boys are jacked up your back. I couldn't think of a better person to talk to in the state of the world that we're in right now than you. What has your message been to your team, your staff, the people around you in these unprecedented world that we're living in right now? 
Well, go figure. I mean, this is the time we all need to row the boat. I mean, nothing can show us more teamwork than sports, right? And how to be able to come together as a nation, come together as a world. And this is what row the boat's all about. If we got one person rowing this direction, that direction, this direction, that direction, we're not going to go anywhere. Everybody's got to be able to row the boat in the same direction, same speed, same efficiency. And we have to be intentional with the way we think, not just have all these great intentions. We got to be really intentional of how we apply ourselves as we continue to move forward. But we will get through this. But the only way we're going to get through it is together. I know you were an elementary school teacher, right? Is that accurate at one point and then you moved into coaching? That's true. Will you be the president of the United States one day, you think? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'd get enough votes. And uh, I don't think that's something that uh, Heather would really enjoy very much. Being the head football coach of Minnesota is one thing. I I don't know about president of the United States. (laughs) Let's talk about being the head coach of Minnesota. Last year, you guys went on a run, man. It was fun to watch. I think anybody that has met you and knows you personally knew that the boys for the Gophers were going to be raring more than they had in the past. Last year, you guys went on a hell of a run. What are you trying to expand on off of last? season and what should we look forward to the Gophers this upcoming season? Well, what a year it was last year for our football team. You know, we had incredible leadership. Uh, we had a team two years ago that was the youngest team in America. Uh, that bowl game we started, I think, close to 14 freshmen. And then everybody grows up, right? And that's what we wanted to be able to have. Uh, this year is a little bit different. Last year we were picked six in the West and we kind of came out of nowhere, right? But we prepared our players for that. We said, no one's going to see you coming. Don't worry about the outside noise. We've got it. We know what we can control. We know what we can do, and let's go out there and do it. This year was a little bit different. Uh, our team meeting in January, we talked to them about these windows, and we called them windrows. Go figure, right? But we have windows now all over our building. Why? Because we want to be able to look out the vision that we want for our program. Windows, you look out and you see what you want to see. And we want to be able to get to the Big Ten Championship. We want to be able to win a national title one day. We want to be able to do all these things, but. Now these windows are installed in our house where people can actually look inside to see what you're doing and prepare for you. And I think that's that's huge responsibility upon our team now, one, to come out of nowhere, but two, now have this pressure and expectation that's on you that everybody is going to circle your game. And that's what we wanted. That's what we asked for. That's what um, we've been preparing for. And if you want to be a blue blood program, that's what they do. So I don't know if we're there yet, but we're working our way there, and our team's uh, doing everything in their, their capability or their, in their power to make sure that we have a successful year. My freshman year at West Virginia, we started a quarterback named Pat White that everybody thought was, should have been a wide receiver. We had a running back named Steve Slayton, who Maryland yeah. pulled their scholarship offer to him a week before signing day, so he ended up coming to West Virginia. We had this guy named Owen Schmidt who was a walk-on from like a D4 school, a guy that would drink 45 beers and then run everybody <laughs> over. We win the Sugar Bowl our freshman year, right? We would come out of nowhere. We beat Georgia in Georgia because the Sugar Bowl was there. That next offseason, our entire workout thing was different, right? Because we go from being hunter to hunted. I would right. assume this offseason being affected by the coronavirus is something that you're going to have to account for because this is a massive time for your team. What have you been doing to combat against the social distancing and the current state of the world right now? And I assume what you're doing is what a lot of other college football teams are doing as well. Yeah, everybody's doing what they're allowed to do, right? And then from there, it's just how creative can you get, right? Because there are guys who are not allowed to leave their home. So our staff just all put together this compilation of things that you have around the house. How can you work out with those things that are just around the house, right? These household appliances. How can you actually make it work? 
Um, so we're putting a video together and send a video out to our players with that. Um, but the position meetings, it, it, here's what it comes down to. Everybody's doing the position meetings. Everybody's doing the team meetings. Everybody's doing voiceovers. Everybody's got a weight program. Everybody's got nutrition. But again, it comes back to that word intentional, purposeful. Who's doing it with intentions of making sure that it's intentional to go win a national championship, to be the best you possibly can be? Because everybody's going to sit there. I get to that tomorrow because nobody's watching them. They're back at home. Uh, 95% of our team is home. They're under no technical football supervision. So we have to trust our players that they're doing everything they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. And not only are they doing it, they got to do it better for longer. And that's this whole model this year, better for longer. Last year was smarter, not even harder. Just find a way to do it smarter than everybody else. Now let's do it better for longer. And, and that's what we want to apply to our team. But we have a mature team. Bad teams, nobody leads. Average teams, coaches lead. Elite teams, players lead. We feel we have an elite football team. And they have to take it upon themselves in one of the most critical times where we all have to do our part to be able to lead our families, ourselves, and do what we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do it. So I have a lot of faith in our team, and I know they're doing what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. Your players, you say that you have to get a certain type of player in your system. Has to be an alert, uh, elite-type human, which has a necked-on mentality, like a shark, always hungry, wanting more. I don't think there's ever been a time then right now you're going to learn about the character of your team. I mean, they're at home. You can take days off. Your friends are probably at home. Your family's at home. And then whenever you're a college athlete, you have a different set of what you're expecting of yourself. This is probably a time where you're like very thankful for the group of humans that you've brought in and instilled in the players that you have on your squad because you can see how 18 to 21-year-olds in this time, being away from all type of structure could be a questionable one. That has to feel pretty good for you, though, knowing the type of guys that you've recruited and brought into your system. Well, I think part of this whole education process during this time is truly educating young men during this time. This is not just about football. This is about handling adversity, going through something nobody's gone through in this country, right? And how, are, how is leadership going to come to the forefront of it? You know, my wife, Heather, said it best the other day, and she said that she feels like Mother Nature's telling all of us to go to our room and think about what we've done. Think about that for a second. I think it's actually really, really accurate. We shared that with our football team because it's true. We've, we've, uh, college football attendance is down, NBA attendance down, NFL attendance down. You can go through all of them because we can watch it on our phone, and we have the, the capacity of having eight TVs at once in our home, and they're all going on. Well, a week and a half into this quarantine, everybody wants to be outside. They want to be away. They want to be together. And we have to practice social distancing, which we've basically been practicing and saying why we should be apart from each other all this time, where now all of a sudden we want to get back together because it's something that it's taken from us. So there's all these creative ways to educate and teach that we've taken so much for granted, so much. And it's not just even about our planet and things like that, but just the social interaction going to game day, going around people, being social, all believing in the same thing, rowing the boat together, having tailgates, having friends over. We've taken all of that for granted. And here we are, all quarantined, and everybody wants to complain about it. But when we look back at it, we're all in our room thinking about, man, what did we do wrong? And I thought Heather said it perfectly. That is such a solid point, by the way. I am a homebody to the umpteenth degree at this point in my life, right? But all I want to do is go be in public with a bunch of people. My lady's the same way. That is such an interesting way to look at things right there, Coach Fleck. Now, last time I had you come on, 
I asked you to explain what elite meant and why it was such an important thing. That led into one of the most motivational speeches I've heard in my entire life. I still play it sometimes in the morning while I'm taking a dump if I can't get up and get energized. Okay, I just want to let you know that. Still, you and I wake up together sometimes. So uh, in the world that we're in right now, what is a message that you would send to somebody who's like, hey, times, there's people that are out of work right now. There's people that are struggling to get by. What is a good way or a good uh, mindset for those people to have looking forward on how the other side of this will probably be bigger than the situation that we're going through right now? Yeah, I think one of the big things is looking at it through the eyes of there are no problems in this world, only situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody somehow, some way in this world is being affected by this. Now, there's some people that are being affected more than others whether that's through the virus or through financial part or through their health or their family. But everybody is being affected by this. Everybody understands this and everybody's going through it together. But there are no problems. There's only situations. And from a situation creates opportunity. So for us, it's about how we're going to be able to respond to this. How are we going to be able to get back to this norm? And everybody wants to keep chasing this norm. When's normal coming back? I got news for it. Normal's not coming back. Whatever your view of normal is, it's not coming back. There are going to be ways and things that we implement that becomes the new norm. But if you're afraid of that, who says the new norm can't be better? Why can't our world be better? Why can't our nation be better? Why can't we continue to grow? Why can't we be intentional with our intentions to make this a better world after we get through this? Who's to say it's got to be worse? Who's to say the economy's got to go back? We all have a role in this. And we can all row the boat together and we can all take our problems, look at them as situations and create these opportunities that make this world better. But here's the one thing. We all affect this. Every single one of us have an impact of how we actually change the future of this nation. When has that ever happened? Never. I mean, maybe the revolution, <laughs> uh, the civil war. But other than that, like when have we had an opportunity where all of us have a chance to actually move forward together and make this nation better. And I think we can do that if we do it together. Coach, I know you have somewhere to be soon. I can't thank you enough for your time, for that message. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy the hell out of that. And you're not normal, by the way. <laughs> you're an elite guy. I want to let you know that. I wish I wish I could have experienced a team that you were a part of. I just want to let you know that. I appreciate that. It means a lot. So uh, row the boat, Scotty Ma. Go Gophers. Stay safe, everyone. Hey, you guys going undefeated next year? Row the boat, Scotty Ma. Go Gophers. <laughs> Stay safe, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach B.J. Fleck. Hey, it's not problems. It's situations. Yeah, I wish I had that mindset. You should, Diggs. He was oh. just trying to lay. He was trying to lay it out for you. He was trying to lay out the blueprint on how you turn problems into situations. This is all going to be a story. We can all affect this. We can all move forward. The new norm, why can't it be better than the old norm? These are all a mindset thing. That's what PJ Fleck just said to you with the necton mentality, Diggs. I listened and I got excited. I'm very excited. The way he delivered that was awesome. Oh, oh yeah, he's very good at what he does. He is so good. Being a student in one of his classes. Oh. oh. <laughs> don't even think about. Don't even think about. Sneezing. He wouldn't By the way, I don't even think you could not Now I was an ass in class. I was. You? I was no. an ass in class. I, was, I didn't pay attention. I wasn't chirping or anything like that, but I was not all in in the classroom. <laughs> okay? I think everybody can understand that. But now that I'm older, like, I want to go and learn things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but it's the things that I want to learn about. I think with, with him, I think the classes 
would have been so creative. I think there would have been so much going on. It would have been like a show every day. I would have paid attention. I, I honestly think it would have been like that. I couldn't even fathom what those team meetings were like with him. Because team meetings, by the way, the coaches are up there. It's a show. You were talking to... In college, 115 people, you have to get them all in the same mindset, agreeing the same thing, and moving in the same direction, and rowing the boat together. That's not an easy thing. you got to be a person that can talk well. PJ is good, man. I love that mentality. Do you think uh, the video that they sent to their players with home appliances, they're like Spike from Little Giants Giants with a refrigerator on her back? <laughs> Squatting refrigerators and stuff like that? I started curling my uh, monocle. <laughs> he didn't even crack, by the way. He, was, he didn't even give me like, yeah, we're talking about curling books and stuff. I was, they, they got an at-home fitness plan, like all these Instagram fitness trainers. I was going to ask him if he would release that so I could get on it. Yeah, at least send it to us. At least send it to us. Let us get a little gopher tough. Mm -hmm. Huh? Trying to row the boat. Sky Uma, bro. Sky Uma. I don't want to be the weak rower. Going undefeated next season. I don't want Connor to be the weak link no. of no. that boat. No, I want to be rowing it. Rowing the hell out of that yeah. thing. We don't want you to be the weak link. No, I always am. <laughs> well, we're allowed to go back outside. You, we should do I don't think you did that one of those boats. One of those boats? I agree. I would like to strictly for a gopher that pushed. Yeah. People forget this is a gopher show. Mm -hmm. I, I am Big a PJ time. Fleck guy. They let us use their facility. Mm -hmm. Sean Latham, $20 chef, trained there whenever he was getting ready for his rough and rowdy fight. I mean, the, the Minnesota Gophers and PJ Fleck have been very good to us. And that message was a good one there. His backdrop also good, by the way. Yeah, very good. Game balls good around balls, good balls. Good balls. I appreciate him. <laughs> Do you have a bunch of stuff lying around the house that you just don't use? You know, the kind of thing, a, a kid's baseball glove that no longer fits, a pair of jeans that was only worn once. I mean, who doesn't have an old phone hiding in a drawer somewhere, Ty? I know I do. With millions and millions of people using the Mercari app in all 50 states, stuff really sells now. You can sell everything from fashion to electronics, toys to sporting goods. Not only can you earn a few extra dollars, but you'll clear up valuable space in your home. Over 150,000 items get listed every single day on Mercari. Santa has to get his gifts from somewhere. Yeah. Why not from you? Listen, you got shit laying all around the house. Things that you thought you were going to use and you never, ever used. Clothes that were once in style, no longer in style for you, but they are for somebody else. The Mercari app is the place to go to sell all this stuff you got lying around. What are you waiting for? I know you got stuff you don't use. Sell it, ship it, and get paid with Mercari. You can find Mercari on the app stores on or on Mercari.com. That's M-E-R-C-A-R-I. Mercari, the selling app. It's easy to sell. You take a picture of your stuff, you write up a little description, boom. Now it's in the hands of millions and millions of people. And everything's shippable. They send you something to ship it in. Bang, bang, boom. No awkward conversations with the Mercari app. Go ahead and sell that shit that's lying around your house with our friends at Mercari. Are we live? We are live. From Kroger, let's take... Uh, I don't think we need anything. Nah. Do we? We're live. Uh, we're, All right. I don't understand the confusion why we don't know if we're live or not ever. Because it's Billy Toops. All right. I respect whatever you move. What do you want to do, Billy? It's up to you. <laughs> why is that? You know why. I don't know why. Why? Because he could be like the Kevin Spacey character in the movie Seven. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I mean, that's actually kind of a compliment. I'm saying like he has. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah What's yeah. in the fucking box? That's MVB, bro. That's most valuable bill. Have a little respect. Okay. Uh, I okay. just want to let you know, I tried to listen to you and Brady Quinn's football program yesterday. 
and uh, I did listen to a little bit of it, and then I actually called in, and I was put on hold for 30 minutes. It's true. This is true. Zito has it on camera. Yep. Yeah, I, do. I was on hold for 30 minutes. You guys took a call from Frank from Pennsylvania, then went to a break, then Ryan Day came on. I was on hold while you did all that stuff, just sitting Did there. you say, uh, is this Pat from Indianapolis? Yes, Pat from Indiana was on hold yesterday during you and Brady Quinn's little show that took place right in the middle of our little show that we got here. Did you give him a t- Did you say what you wanted to talk about? Tom Brady throwing a football. That's what I want to talk about with the boys. I'll have to talk to the producer why you didn't get put through. Hmm. I did. I, I just got put on hold. Frank in Pennsylvania asked a staged question. That was a fake phone caller, by the way. I know you guys have fake phone callers. What was this question? I have no idea. Uh, it was just too much. It was like, it was just, it, it, it felt like it was just a, a setup phone call. Like nine questions in one? What's more fun, playing at Ohio State or Notre Dame? Yeah, because, you know, you both played in different places. It was just a, it, it felt like it was somebody in a back room calling. Tell me about this Funches yes. guy to Packers. Definitely. Oh, Funches. Funches. Yeah, yeah, the guy did ask about Devin Funches. He said his name. I don't even know how he said his Funchy. name. Funchy. Yeah, he said Funchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We listened to the show. I know you 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 canceled this show for that show. I wanted to know at least what we were losing to. Can I, Pat? I have to admit something to you. So I I, I told Pistol actually when I saw him yesterday. Yes. Oh. It it made me Pistol is my dad. It made me realize. Okay, I've, I I haven't done a serious show in seven eight days maybe since we me and you started doing this, and it was my first serious show back and since I've started this. And I was like, wow, okay, it's a little different. <laughs> format a little different back and forth even though brady quinn's my brother-in-law we get along great just how it's set up it just felt awkward to me for a moment because <laughs> i'm so used to doing this with you were you staring at brady quinn while doing it or was it on the phone or like could you see each other you can't a lot of the hosts like on serious will do they'll like pull up a skype just so you can see each other but no we don't do that we were texting back and forth so we don't step on each other Oh, everybody's Zooming these days. That Zoom thing is through the roof. Everybody's posting that they're Zooming. Also, by the way, Instagram Live is popping off. You can't scroll through mm. anything without somebody popping up on the top of your screen, going live with insert name of human that's insufferable. Here. <laughs> it's like, yo, I'm done with it, man. I'm done. Who? Last- like, name, one, name a couple people. Everybody, everybody that I followed last night went live last night at one point. Everybody. What? If they're insufferable, why do you follow them? No, the guest with insert name of guest they they always say they're going live with somebody and that person is normally like what is that i don't know and then i'll click on it and i'm like oh i see what everybody's doing and then last night i actually had a thought i'm going live just to strictly say that i want live when everybody else went live and then do you just start pinging people to join you in the instagram live do i just start sending shit to aj like yeah come join me live Mm -hmm, come join me live that's how it works wait how do you you what you send like an invite out or can you send a mass invite to all your followers it's like a facetime i have no idea i have no idea how it works i, I don't. believe you have to be in the chat right? they can ask too they can ask to join your live yeah and you, nope i'll do instagram live tonight i'm doing instagram live tonight ig live at pat McAfee show and i'm gonna ping at official aj hawk there's there's 12 so people I can, live right now. i can join in and make comments and you can look at, oh i see aj join the group oh, can a- you do that? aj from ohio <laughs> That's what I'll do. Everybody's on Instagram Live though right now. Everybody. Can you imagine if this happened before Twitter, before oh. Instagram? Like, what would it be like if, let's just say we had the internet, but it was like dial-up internet during this time? What was the last pandemic? The plague? 1920. The Spanish 1918, flu. the Spanish right. flu. The Spanish flu. All, by the way, Spanish flu was the, the last time the Stanley Cup was not awarded to in a team was when the Spanish flu came from the rafters. 
and got everybody in the Stanley Cup six, so they couldn't declare a champion. They only played five games. Is That's that accurate? Correct. Yep, Montreal and Seattle. Nineteen nineteen. It's a shame. When was the Black Plague? Long time ago. Yeah, yeah. bubonic. Fourteen hundred. A year, hundred years before Spanish was cholera. Who? Cholera. C H. O L E eighteen twenty Oregon Trail stuff that'll get you. Oh yeah, you got to forge the river. I guess it's ford the river. Ford, yeah. Ooh, Black ford? Plague thirteen forty seven. Black Plague what? Thirteen forty seven. Imagine what it was like going through that with no internet. The photos they look very weird. No internet with no soap with no showers. <laughs> I mean, electricity as well. Was electricity founded then? Hell no. No thirteen hundreds. What was founded then? They had the boat that got across the no, sea. They had obviously. Dirt. Is that 1492? Yeah. 1492? Yeah. 1492? Yeah. Columbus I think they had candles. Blue. They might have been fire. Was there fire then? Did they have fire? They had fire? They had fire, right? Candlelight, wood, and rocks. I think they had a wheel. That's all they had. Let's oh. do history. This is today's history lesson. I love it. A lot of kids at home, maybe some parents watching this show live while their kids are taking a little recess from their e-learning. In 1492, there was fire, kids. Just a little heads up. They might not have had the electricity or the internet, but they could create fire, they could sail a ship, and they could lie to a lot of people. Smallpox. A lot, lot of lying back then. They could lie at a rapid rate back in the day, and nobody would check them. No, not one person would check them. Well, because how do you check them? You can't. You can't. Whoever says the thing the loudest is obviously the rightest, and you're never going to find that out anymore. That's what it was like back in the when day. When everyone tells you the earth is flat, you say, F it. I'm going to sail around the damn thing anyways. By the way, good FCC monitoring of yourself, especially Sorry. knowing that there's kids watching that we just gave a history lesson to. Yeah. And then maybe if you just did that without uh, mass murdering a race of humans, Whoa, dude. Whoa. Well, you we'd didn't be have celebrating blow, dude. more. You didn't have to bring that up. You I mean, didn't that's, have to bring that's up. That's our guy. Chris that's our guy. I'm the kids. I have dude. a list of things invented in the 1400s. Big things. Here we go. First golf balls. Oh, yeah. Really? The trigger. Oh, yeah. What's like that? that? The trigger. I think for I think for like a gun. The, for throwing up. The trigger, like the grill, the nope. trigger grill. T R I G G E R. Just a trigger in general was created in the 1400s. Yeah, muzzle in loaded. A, in the 1300s, they were just uh, <laughs> they were just holding it, just waiting for it to go. Ah, <laughs> muzzle loaded rifles. Also, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on! Please, 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 please! God, shooting the next five. Ah, it's coming! Ah. It's like when you're when you're holding the Roman candles, shooting them at your buddy. Exactly. Did you light a fuse? Exactly what it is. Parachutes. Smart, smart. They were just jumping out of planes with leaves. And uh, whiskey. A lot of planes oh, love it. in 1380. 1400s were pretty lit. All mm. right, I want to jump out of that plane drunk. All right, let me make some parachutes and let me get some uh, some whiskey done. For- Did they have planes in the 1400s? Uh, no. Well, no. after, so in 1485, Leonardo da Vinci designed the first parachute. And then 1492, Leonardo da Vinci first to seriously theorize about flying machines. So he, he created tried. the yeah. parachute before the flying machine. Well, that was the first flying machine. You oh, jump off smart. a cliff. It's like hang mm-hmm. gliding, but without the the metal thing that you hang on to while you crash into you the You probably side. saw Columbus's sails and were like, oh, I could. that's a parachute. Somebody probably fell off of the boat, ripped <laughs> something, mm. and guided slowly. down to mm-hmm. the water mm-hmm. where smallpox mm-hmm. eventually killed him and drowned him. <laughs> But it wasn't the initial crash. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about modern history now. Cam Newton. <laughs> you all right over there? Cam Newton uh, was released by the Carolina Panthers. 
I happen to be in the camp that I believe that Cam Newton is going to potentially be an MVP next year wherever he heads to. I am firmly in the camp that Cam Newton is going to be a much better football player next year than he has been maybe since his MVP run. Whenever they got to the Super Bowl, inevitably he didn't recover that fumble. Then he got injured, and then life kind of he kind of disappeared out of relevance for a little bit. But now that Cam Newton is motivated with another chip on his shoulder, and he's even saying aloud that the Panthers quit on him, is he? Is that what he's saying? He. He said that in the video. Can we play oh, yeah. this? Oh. They gave up on me, he said. That song is right and that song, I mean, they're going to church in that weight room right there. It was about mm-hmm. to drop, I think, probably something a little bit heavier there. But Cam Newton's coming back. And he has a chip on his shoulder. Revenge tour. Cam Newton, 2020. Getting on the Versamax while running and lifting. He's already shredded. And he's pissed off. Cam Newton's going to be a dominant next year. I can't wait to see him with the Chargers. I mean, I, I'm not as sold as you are, strictly from these videos. Smart by him to put these videos out. Oh, yeah. I think, why not? It's a time when we need content. And you get to see how he's working. But I think the one thing you're 100% right on, the dude absolutely is going to have a monster chip on his shoulder when he's already saying they gave up on me. Oh yeah, he's. But not- does that does that translate into an MVP type season? Well, I don't know that. that- <laughs> I mean, I there's a lot of things. He, he could, Obviously, everyone's writing something. But I just read something where Cam may have to go somewhere and be a backup for a year. No oh, way. Get out of here. Cam Newton's backing up. That guy's backing up somewhere. Well, no. his, it, he's jacked. We know that. He's an absolute freak. I mean, look at his shoulders. Trice, he's absolutely oh, yeah. a, abs, a freak. Pectorals, gluteuses. Yeah. What is that? He looks great. I just don't know how well that will translate into – an MVP type season. I hope he's healthy. I hope his foot feels good. I hope his shoulder feels good. Well, I think if he takes care of his chickens, which he said he already has, he already has a lot of money. He got to take care of his mentals. Now he's back in the spite in revenge world where he doesn't give about uh, uh, a fuck about anybody else's thoughts and he's ready to just get back in the game. His body's ready, his physical, his mentals, his chickens. He's going to be lined up and ready to go. I think Cam Newton's going to be dominant next year. Now, he could get injured. Uh, he could not fit in the offense. Uh, it could be a wild culture change that doesn't really accept. I mean, there could be a lot of, there are a lot of things. A lot of hurdles that potentially he has to get over. But in my eyes, he's off to a hot start. think he's potentially going to be in the MVP conversation next year. He's off to a great start. These videos show us he is off to a great start. He's on his way. (laughs) He puts good stuff out there. But does it worry you, Pat, that coming off this weird offseason where we're most likely not really going to have the OTAs, he's not going to have the time with his new team to digest the playbook, does it worry you that he may only get like a training camp to try to prepare to become the starter of a new team in a new system. Even better, by the way. I think Cam Newton's a quarterback that benefits from people being able to prepare less. I think he's a guy whose natural athleticism can carry them to some wins. Now, will him not understanding a new offense be a problem? Of course. But I think Cam Newton's the type of player that can make a play happen whether he knows what the hell is supposed to happen or not. Whenever we played against him, it was Cam Newton right, Cam Newton left, then they would have a play in a run and then put that on repeat. I think he's a guy that doesn't need all the OTAs, doesn't need all that type of stuff, although it would help, obviously, getting timing with your wide receivers and such because he can sling it. I think he's the type of player, though, that you know wouldn't exactly be hurt as bad as some others if there wasn't a lot of time to prepare and learn the offense. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, his athleticism can make up for a lot, whether it's 
lack of people around him to throw to. If nobody's open, he can buy time. He's so big and strong. He can make people bounce off of him. He's super elusive. I know. I've played against him. He's absolute monster. He's a stud. I just don't know what this next season looks like for him. Is that impossible to tackle, Cam Newton? Is, is that a very tough – I mean, what because there's rules, obviously, against what, where he can hit a quarterback and stuff like that. So they're already hurting you in that case. But when he gets out of the pocket, he doesn't really get the protection that a lot of other quarterbacks get because he's as tall as, and as big as the defensive end, and he can really be a problem for you. He's like a fullback running at you, and he also has some protections. That has to put defenders in quite a precarious situation. Oh, it definitely does. It's it's he's one of those guys where you don't really want to be stuck in the open field with him. He can juke you, he can run over you. I mean, chances are if he lowers his shoulder, you better go low, try to take his legs out because he's so so big and so physical, but he also has that elusiveness. So yeah, it's really really difficult, but you can't 100% win a game just with his legs. He's going to have to be able to throw the ball, which he's shown he can. He's been the MVP in the league before. We know that. But I just don't know. I mean, the change of scenery, I think, is going to be good for him. It's good to sometimes be driven by spite and hate towards your old team that you feel like gave up on you. A lot of the great quarterbacks we talk about all the time, they're driven with a chip on their shoulder. Tom Brady, the same situation. You don't think he thinks the, the Patriots gave up on him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Phillip Rivers, Chargers, by the way. Does he feel the animosity towards the Chargers that Tom Brady does towards the Patriots? I don't know. We don't talk about it strictly because I don't think we want to talk about it. But if I was Phillip Rivers, I'd be mad, wouldn't I? I mean, I'd be pretty mad. There'd be some disrespect, yeah. I'd be mad if I'm Phillip Rivers. You moved the team. I was driving three hours to still be your quarterback. You don't offer me anything. You move on. And then the conversation was they were going to get a quarterback that was older than him and Tom Brady. Now, who knows if they are actually making a run or not. I don't think we've had like solid, concrete information that the Chargers made a run at Tom Brady, but he's older than Phillip Rivers and another team that he's never done anything for. The Indianapolis Colts just paid him $25 million to play football more. So that's a conversation if we really wanted to, as media heads, to serve the pub. Like, is Phillip Rivers mad at the Chargers for not taking care of him for all that he's done for them? I mean, that's definitely a conversation you could have, but we don't talk about it because the Tom Brady Patriots six Super Bowl 20-year run is obviously overshadowing the move that Phil Rivers just left the Chargers, which is a franchise he said he loved. Antonio Gates, I mean, it's just one of those things where that is a conversation that could happen, but it doesn't feel as if that's been the PR spin of this conversation. Instead, it's been, can Phil Rivers still throw a fucking completion or not? Because the Colts picked Phil over Tom Brady, which is very, very interesting. That's another chip on the shoulder for Tom Brady, by the way. Oh, it absolutely is. But as you were were saying that, it made me – wonder why the Colts, like if they did even go after Andy Dalton. Doesn't Andy seem like a, a good fit for the Colts? Especially, he would have been cheaper than, you don't have to pay Andy one year 25 mil. I am happy about Phil Rivers signing with the Indianapolis Colts. But boy, Cam Newton's on the market right now. Andy Dalton's potentially moving. Foles is moving. Teddy Bridgewater. Flacco. Tom Brady. Joe Flacco. LOL. Jacoby Brissett's still there. I mean, there is a <laughs> lot of quarterbacks out there. A lot of quarterbacks out there. I'm happy they got Phil. Frank Reich, head coach, obviously offensive coordinator and everything like that. Very close relationship with Mr. Rivers. I, I like the comfort there. And if Frank Reich sees something, I trust Frank Reich. I trust Chris Ballard. But as a fan and as a spectator sitting outside, you're like, yo, Teddy B, Cam Newton. I'm not saying Jameis. <laughs> Come on. Say it. J- uh, j- when are these guys going to sign? Like, when is a team going to sign these guys? I don't know. I have no idea. I have no clue. Everybody's talking about the Finns and Jags. That's where the odds are our favorite 
for uh, Cam Newton to land. I don't, I don't know how that works, but think about this. We, this hit me right in the face this morning as a potential reality. Cam Newton goes to the Miami Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick traded to the New England Patriots. Really? Oh, but, the, yeah. but we know Ryan Fitzpatrick is just a short-term thing wherever he goes. Do you think the Patriots are into that, or are they going to try to build up their dynasty again? Huh? Starting with Fitzpatrick, that's exactly what we're going to do. Hey, by the way, great question right there. Kind of put a stud, <laughs> kind of put a stall to everything I was thinking. I don't know if they would go with Ryan Fitzpatrick at this point, but there's a guy that could probably go win you some games just by himself. He's going to win four to five games himself. You put Belichick's brain with him. Let's assume that's another five to six games. All of a sudden, they're winning eleven games. All of a sudden, the New England Patriots. Yeah, but don't you think where Bill Belichick is in his career, he's looking for the next long-term option? Or is he not? What is he? Sixty-seven. Yep. 67 years old do you want to build up for another 10-year run with a young quarterback or do you want to get ryan fitzpatrick that's <laughs> such an interesting question fitzmagic fitzmagic is our guy but he's gonna win games belichick will win games that makes him a double digit win season next year guaranteed locked just by science if they get together yeah i mean if he if you can guarantee 10 wins if you know for sure that you get 10 wins with ryan fitzpatrick i think bill belichick may may jump in and try to try to snatch him away from the dolphins dak prescott has reignited negotiations with the dallas cowboys from what we're being told a lady named liz laza liz loza liz loza liz loza liz loza from (laughs) yahoo fantasy what are you laughing about dude I don't know why. It's just funny. You're trying to figure out her name. <laughs> well, there was no help from the room here. <laughs> there was all just question marks from the faces. Nobody has a clue. I gave a nod. I'm trying to give her her credit here because she is breaking the silence and in, in saying that she's heard whispers that a four-year, around $35 million a year contract is currently being talked about between the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, which made us immediately think Ed Werder is going to be pissed that he didn't get the inside information on this and Liz Loza got it. But this also makes me think that Dak Prescott, the man who looked a piece of paper right in the eye that said he would earn $33 million in one year if he signed it, the franchise tag, and said, nah, I'm not signing it. Instead, he's going to get $35 million a year, a million, at least a million point one, I think it's supposed to be 33.9, a million point one more a year for the next four years than what that franchise tag would have been. Bravo for him if he gets this done. Shout out to the Jones family saying they wanted to lock him down as their franchise quarterback. Everybody questioned it. It didn't seem like that was the case. They were paying everybody but Dak. Now it's rumored that a four-year, $35 million deal, uh, four-year, $35 million a year uh, deal is being talked about. What is that? That's $140 million? Yeah. Yeah. $140 million. Four years, $140 million deal for Dak Prescott. Probably over $100 million guaranteed. Mike McCarthy. Dak Prescott for at least four years with the stars. How old is Dak? Is Dak like 26 maybe? Yeah. Do we know? 25, 26. Four-year deal, be 30. He'll be able to re-up at least one more time and then at least one more time after that. He's got two more massive paydays coming for him if he continues down the path that he's been on right now. That's the best thing about it. When you can sign for huge money, it's not that long of a deal because then it gets him to another contract. Like that's what Kirk Cousins. What was this year? Is when he did the fully guaranteed. Was that a three year or two year? Three, I think. And that's I know he really wanted a three because he wanted to hit the market again. He wanted to be able to get another contract after that. And that's key, especially when you see these quarterbacks playing into their forties. Man, I might be able to get four or five contracts out of this. Playing in their fifties, maybe. I mean, Tom Brady just signed a two year, fifty million dollar guarantee, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's gonna get. He's gonna get signed again. Forty four. He's gonna be. 
Yeah, gonna, he added the clause again so they can't be franchise tagged. Yeah, he's going to get signed again. He's going to get another two-year, $50 million deal again. Dak will be 27 when the season starts. So 31 years old. Still so young and you can hit the market again. Oh. Or maybe after the first three years you re-up because you see Patrick Mahomes get signed in the next six to eight months. You see all these giant deals. The cap's going to go up. Yeah. And with Mike McCarthy, by the way. And with Mike McCarthy, they might win some real games. Yeah, they, they should. They finally kind of moved on from Garrett. Without uh, the clapper, <laughs> Jason Garrett, they might actually win some games. And I'm He's the Giants OC now, right? Yeah, wild move there, Judge. Judge did that, right? Another yeah. Joe, Joe Judge. Hey, Joe Judge, what do you know about him as a special teams coach coming from New England? Special teams guy, that's all I know. I know if he's a special teams guy, I know that he's coached the entire team on a very regular occasion. I know that he's had to instill things into players that didn't want to do it on a very regular occasion. And I know that the Patriots were always very sound in the special teams department of the game. So I think uh, he's probably going to be a very good prepared coach. I think he's going to do good things. Now is Saquon and Danny Dimes going to be enough to carry him for some wins? Maybe we'll see. And is how do, Jason how do Garrett you think a other, good, offense, um, good offense coordinator? Pat, how do you think other – say, like, vet-free agents and guys that are on the current roster field. I know Joe Judge came out at the Combine and was saying, like, yeah, like, we're going to work. Like, we're going to wear pads. We're going to hit. We're going to work on tackling. Like, we're we're not messing around here. He basically said, like, this is – we're trying to instill some old-school toughness back here. Like, all, every player on the team is like, oh, man. Whew. <laughs> all right. Well, camp. Camp's going to be fun. <laughs> When's my contract? A oh, year and a half. Another two years here. But, that's but if he wins, you can do it. If he wins – you can do whatever you want in practice. By the way, that's what Matt Patricia did try to do in Detroit. It was not well received. They still have not really won with that method. I don't think you can just pluck yourself. And now I might be wrong. It may be judges is an anomaly, but it feels as if everybody that comes from the Patriots that's a coach that gets a head coaching gig elsewhere. They try to instill what the Patriots do, which, by the way, would make sense if I'm the person becoming a head coach. I'm coming from a place where everything has worked for the last 20 years. I would like to instill this exact thing at the new place that I go to. But what they're failing to realize is that you're dealing with humans here and you can't have this massive, like, you know, authoritarian type ego without the resume that Bill Belichick has. And that's, you see, that's the difference. You can't always get people to buy in when you don't have wins. So if Joe Judge is going to make these dudes go to work, which, by the way, I'm not saying is a bad thing. I'm sure there's a lot of very successful teams that go to work, a la the Patriots, and I'm sure there's other places that go and say we're hitting and we're old school and all that shit. But if you don't win early, that's a quick way to lose the locker room, I feel like. Quick. I mean, that's a quick way for everybody to be like, yep. Fuck this guy. It's true. I don't think people realize that, but it absolutely can't happen. If a guy comes in and wants to, especially those first couple team meetings, you kind of have to earn the respect mm. from that team, I feel like. And then the first couple practices, you can you can hit, you can go make them go hard, you can do everything, but you have to like find that nice little balance. Like throw them a bone every once in a while. Like show them you really care about them. Don't just don't yeah, you can do it. It's just a tough balance to try to figure out and you said the, you said the number one thing that matters though. You got to win games. If you win games, you can get away with whatever you want. If you're not winning games, it's going to be tough. Winning cures everything. Everything. Absolutely. Always. No matter what. I'm sure it's like that in every sport, but especially football when each game means so much. Guys can stink for four straight quarters, and they win, and it's not that big of a deal. We got to win. We got it done. Didn't have a great performance, but we'll move forward. Guys can play their absolute best for four quarters and lose. 
and life is terrible for the next four to five days. I mean, that's just, that is how it is. Your, your happiness is 100% held hostage by success. That is just the way it goes in the NFL. And if you're a new coach and you bring success and happiness to people's lives, they'll buy in and do whatever the hell you want to do. But if you're doing a lot of stuff and it's not working, boy, it's going to be tough to get those humans out there to really react. If your shit ain't working, that, that's going to be very, t- that's why I think a lot of the, the Patriot coaches that leave and go elsewhere have trouble. I, I do believe that is why they have some trouble. It's like, you're telling me to do what? <laughs> Bro, we haven't won we haven't won four games in the last 10 years here. Like, you want me to do what? Oh, and, and we're going to suck with that? Okay, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and you know players are saying too, like, what, what do you, you think you're Bill Belichick? Like, what are you, oh. what are you trying to do here? Oh, did, I'm sorry. Did you write notes for Bill Belichick for the last eight years? What 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 was your exact role? Okay, all right. That's what I thought. Shut the fuck up. Because you know, this is the same thing, and people don't know because they view players as the video games and as fantasy. Yeah. The humans, ego, pride. I mean, everything is a real thing when it contract comes. years for certain guys. Oh, yeah. just mindset. Every. That's why I think Cam Newton's gonna be good, by the way, because this is a human that is a superhuman. And when it comes to speaking about humans, now he's a spiteful superhuman. I mean, in a contract year. In a, in, I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. I, I think if you add it up, Dr. Phil would say it's going to be a good shot at success here, I think, with a pissed off Cam Newton. Is that what Dr. Phil says? He did a show from his basement, his man cave. <laughs> How was it? He had a motorcycle in the background. And really? He was sitting at a oh, poker wow. table. He had two iPads out, and he was FaceTiming <laughs> with a lady from that senior citizen center over in Washington. Uh. He was the best. He had Have makeup. you ever seen the pictures of, of Dr. Phil's house? It's his kid's house, but yeah, I did see that. Oh, know. it's his kid's? Yeah, but it was a wild house. He, it just You could save Dr. Phil McGraw's family's house, and it still gets the point across. It was insanity. Man, is Dr. Phil still on TV? He still has his show? Yeah, he just went live from his man cave on uh, NBC yesterday. Oh, I didn't know if it was like a IG Live or something, but it was like it was like Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon doing his show from his place in New York and his kids in the background. He did that? I didn't know that. He's been doing it. It's, po- it's been popping up in my little YouTube feed yeah. where, yeah, he interviewed Dave Matthews the other day. He does like a monologue with his little kids climbing on. They're all doing that. Jimmy Kimmel, they're all doing stuff from their house. And they're, I, I guess they're airing it on NBC, whatever networks they're on. Are you a Jimmy Fallon guy? Yeah, you met him before? You hung out with him before? You like him? You think he's a funny guy? Yeah. Man, it's a lot of questions you just threw at me in, in one sentence. But, uh, no, I mean, I don't I don't feel uh, – Jimmy Fallon, he's a talented dude. Play. I, I think it's cool when he gets any – he can play with like I think I saw him singing with U two like he'll play with big time bands that come on the show I don't know if he still does it. this was years ago I haven't seen the show in a long time though do you know him no never met him you like him seems like a happy guy hmm. well yeah well things do that I can tell how you feel about him by the way you ask me questions about him no I don't know him I was intrigued to hear all I've heard is stories about him that's all I've heard I've what kind heard. of stories I haven't even heard stories about him what was come that on. what. What was that? All I've heard is dude just likes to party, just goes. That's what I've heard. I've heard legendary stories about old Jimmy Fallon going nonstop at a very fast rate. Is that a bad thing? Nope. I, that's why I was excited to hear if you met him or not, because you know a lot of those famous people, the Illuminatis and such. I was hoping that you had met him and you'd be like, yep, everything you see of him is exactly what he's like all the time. He's running 400 miles an hour. He's having a good time. He's like, hey, hey, yeah, yeah. He's doing it at all times. I would like to hear. I just didn't know anybody that actually knows him. I only know him from the television and the rumors that I gather. Yeah. Do you guys, I'm just curious, do you guys have 
friends that continue to send you text that like our conspiracy theory situations. I have so many buddies. I'm like, and I never respond to any of them. I'm like, oh, hey, let me click on this 47 minute video that you sent me about pedophiles and everything and what's going on in the world. Like, come on, man. Like, I just, it's getting old. You got to get caught up though. 47 minutes. You got to get caught up, AJ. I don't think there's. If someone texts me a 47 minute long video, like if it was a video explaining to me how and when I will die, I don't think I could watch it. I, I don't think there's anything that would get me to watch a 47 minute video on my phone. Well, they're trying to help you. Um, are, how about are a, they? How about a two and a half minute video? Will you watch a two and a half minute video? Absolutely. Oh, get ready to run through that wall that you're sitting in front of right now. This guy joined the show this morning. I led off the show by asking him if he thinks he should be the president of the United States. And he said, no, I don't think enough people like me for that to happen. And he's, he mentioned his wife probably not being a fan of that. And he ended his appearance with this speech that everybody on the Internet is saying, this guy's going to be president of the United States. So I don't want to say that I, I, uh, I, I simpsons it, but I kind of simpsons it. I predicted what was going to happen. And he gave this two-and-a-half-minute speech to the world when I said, hey, people are going through a little bit of a, a time here. Some people are very worried about the future and things like that. You'll see. This is a good one from Coach PJ Fleck. I can't wait to hear your take on this, AJ. Last time I had you come on, I asked you to explain what elite meant and why it was such an important thing. That led into one of the most motivational speeches I've heard in my entire life. I still play it sometimes in the morning you do look while I'm taking a dump shirt, if right? I can't get up and get energized. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to let you know that. Still, you and I wake up together sometimes. <laughs> so... Uh, in the world that we're in right now, what is a message that you would send to somebody who's like, hey, time's, there's people that are out of work right now. There's people that are struggling to get by. What is a good way or a good uh, mindset for those people to have looking forward on how the other side of this will probably be bigger than the situation that we're going through right now? Yeah, I think one of the big things is looking at it through the eyes of there are no problems in this world, only situations. Uh, everybody somehow, some way in this world is being affected by this. Now, there's some people that are being affected more than others, whether that's through the virus or through financial part or through their health or their family. But everybody is being affected by this. Everybody understands this and everybody's going through it together. But there are no problems. There's only situations. And from a situation oh. creates opportunity. So. For us, it's about how we're going to be able to respond to this. How are we going to be able to get back to this norm? And everybody wants to keep chasing this norm. When's normal coming back? I got news for you. Normal's not coming back. Whatever your view Good. of normal Good stuff is, there, PJ. it's not coming back. There are going to be ways and He's things nowhere that, near done. that becomes the new norm. <laughs> but if you're afraid of that, who says the new norm can't be better? Why can't our world be better? Why can't our nation be better? Why can't we continue to grow? Why can't we be intentional with our intentions mm. to make this a better world after we get through this? Who's to say it's got to be worse? Who's to say the economy's got to go back? We all have a role in this. And we can all row the boat together. And we can all take our problems, look at them as situations, and create these opportunities that make this world better. But here's the one thing. We all affect this. Every single one of us have an impact of how we actually change the future of this nation. When has that ever happened? Never. I mean, maybe the revolution. The uh, Spanish flu, maybe. The Civil War. But other than that, like, when have we had an opportunity where all of us have a chance 
to actually move forward together and make this nation better. And I think we can do that if we do it together. Real Let's go! I've been a PJ guy forever. I, you, I love PJ. Are you rowing, AJ? No, I don't, I'm not physically rowing <laughs> to nowhere into your telus, your telestrator that costs 500k that you never use. No, I'm not. But I love PJ. I think it's great. That's PJ is a motivational speaker. He gives talks like that to his team every single day. That guy's awesome, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's PJ 24 hours a day. He's never not that guy. I don't think that guy would work in the NFL, but I'm happy that guy's in college. And if I was to send my kid to a college football program, I would be happy if P.J. Fleck was the guy out there leading him onto the field daily. See, I don't know. I think P.J. may be able to find a way to work in the NFL if he decides to go that route someday. I mean, Pete Carroll, do people think Pete Carroll True. is going to work in the NFL? He has like True. the – Pete's super positive, always bubbly, bouncing around where some people may think it gets corny or gets old, but – Pete seems to be very, very successful in the NFL, and he can get across to he can get his message across to these players. So why can't PJ? PJ is great at I think evolving and trying not to become stale to his players. He's talked about that. Like he always he can't just keep drilling the same things over and over. So I think he's always seeking different ways on how to get through and get his message to these guys. That's smart. I think so too. I think he is smart enough that he'd be able to figure it out. To be honest, I do. I kind of you you kind of convinced me actually of that because I think he would be Now granted, remember he has a background in being an elementary school history teacher, I think or something like that. Or uh, He was in the league for a little bit. He played receiver for a little. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did he really? Yeah, look him up. Wikipedia him. It's like one or Somebody. two years I think with the 49ers. Was he practice yeah. squad or did he get some game time? I don't know, but I believe he was on. He was like a, a intern or a coach too for some for maybe the Niners, wherever he, team he was. I think he spent some time coaching in the league too. He coached the Bucks wide receivers in 2012. I was reading on yeah. Wikipedia. He's on the Niners. Said he used to run the routes in practice with like shoes on against DBs. Uh, oh, that's awesome. He was almost a bear. He failed his physical. Bear. Well, uh, he, he passed a, for the Niners. He registered though. a tackle and returned one punt for 10 yards on special teams. Oh, just do it all guy. Classic. Jeez. Lunch pail guy. First one in, last one out. Coach's Rust son. Belt. Rust belt guy. Rust belt guy. I like PJ. Every time he comes on our show, the first time I had him on, I had no idea what to expect. And I actually told him that, like, on air. I was like, you know, I've heard some people, they don't love you. Some people do because I'm just reading what th people are saying about him and things like that. And that first conversation I had with him, I was like, I love this man. I am a man. He's just a guy that I think is infectious. You know what I mean? I think he's infectious. That was a great motivational speech and very presidential. Might I add, like I said at the beginning of the show. What's up, Dave? I have a question for you two. Uh, now with like the younger generation and the different generation of players coming in, like we have veterans come in and say it's a completely different type of human being. Do you think coaches like P.J. Fleck who are like that have a better chance in the NFL, NFL or no? I don't know. I have no idea. I think so. I think just because not even – the fact that like the the generation the generational thing maybe where players attention span all this stuff I mean guys are still like the guys that want to be there want to be there but they just have to go about it different ways whether you have you never have a meeting longer than thirty minutes without giving your guys a break I know different teams do all all kinds of little tricks here and there to keep their guys attention but I think a guy like PJ has a chance in the NFL just because he's willing to evolve he's willing to change to try to win like he's not stuck in his ways I don't think where he's like this is it this is what we do this is my offense this is my defense this is how we do it and then if somebody asks a question well why would we do it that way coach because that's the way I've always done it which is the worst answer ever of to that all question. time do you think 
Do you think becoming an NFL coach is his dream? Is that all coaches' dreams if they're in football? Or are they, like yeah. Saban, I think, his dream may be a bin to be an NFL coach and he finally stunk at it and he comes back to college and dominates it. Does every coach want to become an NFL coach? I wonder that on a very I right. don't think so. I, I don't think so. I mean, it may become PJ's dream eventually. I don't think it is right now. But it's it depends what your goals are. Like you want, they all want to win. But PJ seems like the kind of guy that wants to impact these young kids. And I'm sure so he, he says that. But he, he, you can have a huge impact on these guys' lives. An NFL coach can't have nearly the impact on an NFL player as you can a college kid. Like PJ, think about like the loyalty some people feel towards their college program, their college coaches. True. I mean, colleges f- fan bases are just much more cult like than anywhere else. I mean, you people feel an affinity to their universities forever. Legends. Like, that's literally what they feel. So, PJ, if he can flip that Minnesota team back into being a dominant team, which, by the way, last year, hell of a run. If they have another great run, there's going to be a lot of people trying to get PJ Fleck at their big-ass school probably down in the south somewhere, if I had to guess. He got a big, he got a big extension last year during the year. Yeah, because... Before they beat Penn State, even. Yeah, it was the week. It was like, what, four days before they beat Penn State or whatever. By the way, mm-hmm. you lose that game. That's a tough one, I, I, I think, after you sign that massive extension. But I think Minnesota knows that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be after P.J. Fleck here. They built that new $40 million facility that we were in. It's beautiful up there. I mean, it's like Minnesota is – I think they're trying to become a real – you know what I mean? Like they're trying to become a massive program. And P.J. Fleck's going to be the guy they do it around. I think it's smart. I think it's a smart move because that college football world is insane. People get up and leave. They go over to Mike Nor- Nor- Norville. Norvell. Norvell. Norvell at Memphis. That guy had success there, and then bang, gone to Florida State. It's like that's that's how it works, you know? So if you can hang on to a good guy and let him build a real program through there, I mean, that's going to be potentially massively success story for the Gophers out there in Minnesota. Well, think about P.J. When every, every time I see him or you get to speak to him, it seems like, oh, I, can, I understand how you could go into these young kids' living room and you can win over their parents, you can win over the kid. Like, yeah, of course, I want to play for this dude. Like, who – who wouldn't want to play for that? I, I think that when I've I had the chance to interview uh, Dabo Sweeney a couple years ago with Sirius in person, and I talked to him for like 20 minutes afterwards off the air, and I was like, man, if this dude came into my living room and had like he was this like he was how he is on this like you know people either love Dabo or they hate him. It seems like he's one of those guys, one of those personalities. But the dude is so positive, so just engaged and over the top. I was like, I get it, man. If I'm 16, 17 years old. This guy makes you feel like wanted. He makes you feel like a connection. And that's such a huge thing in the college world. You have to continue to always recruit the next crop of dudes. And I think PJ is great at that. That recruiting thing, I, I think that's why I wouldn't fare well in that world. It's brutal. They never, you never have a second off. Like you never have any time off. Yeah, I think you're a really good kid, but there's like 500 of you out there. Okay. <laughs> like it'd be hard for me to be, you know what I mean? It'd be, there's a lot of super talented high school kids. But, boy, there's a lot of super talented high school players that end up doing nothing ever again. And people are spending, like, 15, 20 hours of their life recruiting that person. Again. I mean, and then, obviously, there's success stories that you don't know, the diamonds in the rough and stuff like that. But that constant recruiting, I'm not 100% sure I'd be on board with, dog. No, you gotta be, you'll be at home 9.30 at night. You get a text from a recruit. You got to text him back. You got to tweet, tweet back to him. Like, there's all – and then they take these, like, visits, these – these campus visits at any time where, oh, hey, we're sp- I know, sorry, I know we were supposed to go get uh, little Timmy baptized, but old uh, Bill Johnson's in town. I got to take him to the basketball game Friday, then take his family around campus all day Saturday, and then Sunday I got to drive them to the airport. So, sorry, you just get this one baptized again. I, you know I won't be there. <laughs> 
I mean, that's it's a college coaching life. It's crazy. But they love ball. They love ball. A lot of them love that recruiting thing. I think some coaches don't make the jump to the NFL because they almost would get bored without that recruiting. Coach Collins down there at Georgia Tech says he loves recruiting. Absolutely loves recruiting. That's why. I mean, lo- what else are you going to say? What You have to say that when you're in the job. No, but I think he actually does if you follow along. I mean, he loves it. What was I your recruitment? I believe there's like definitely that? a lot of coaches that, that enjoy the recruiting part, and there's a lot of coaches that are in college as a position coach, and they despise the recruiting, although they know they have to be good at it to keep their job, and they want to make the jump to the league. But I, I got buddies that are position coaches around the country at different schools, and a lot of them want to go to the league, but they're like, hey, man, it's not that easy to get into. Like you th- and if He's like, oh, especially if you never played at all in the league and you have no real connection – like their connections are with a lot of college coaches, so they want to get into the NFL, but it's just not easy breaking in a lot of times. Coaching is all in who you know, isn't it? I mean, you it's look a at a huge frat. That's all it is. Whenever you hire one coach, you know the other coaches that are coming with them. Like it's it's because like oh, one of our guys got a job. All right, here we go. We're going, and then one of the other guys get a job. Okay, we'll pick up half these people and then half these people. It's all about networking and who you know. It's tough, I'd assume. Nick just asked a great question there. You were that. You know, super stud uh, from Centerville and elk flying around, headbutting guys all over Ohio. Was your recruiting process just like guaranteed going to Ohio State? You were going to be an Ohio State kid regardless because you were basically the picture of Ohio State. If I ever had to put a picture of Ohio State, I'd put a picture of AJ Hawk up there. <laughs> uh, no, it was. I mean, I knew if Ohio State offered me, I was going to go there. Absolutely, but they, I got an offer. I had to go to camp going into my senior year, the summer going into my senior year, and I had to go to camp and do everything. And I, I finally got an offer after that camp, and I committed. And I, yeah, I never, yeah, I, I grew up about an hour and a half from Columbus, where Ohio State is. I wasn't like the craziest, most diehard Ohio State fan. I loved them, I, but I never thought it was reality to ever play there. So yeah, when they, I knew if they offered me, I'm going. Yeah, but Ohio State is like a cult in Ohio. I mean, yeah, it's it's a pretty big deal. Did Michigan offer you? No. They didn't, I don't even think I got a letter from Michigan. Michigan State? Maybe a, a couple letters. I don't think I yeah, got an offer. I did. I throw it in the trash. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> did you take visits to other places besides Ohio State? I didn't take any official visits anywhere else. I took like unofficial visits. Penn State, I took one there. My brother was two years older than me. I took some visits with him when he was being recruited to like Northwestern and a couple other spots. Smart. How were the visits? Good time? Did you have a good time with the Ohio State official visit? Oh, great time. Loved it. Oh. And then all my buddies were like, man, are you crazy? Why didn't you take all five official visits, even if you knew you were going to Ohio State? And I was like, well, I guess that wasn't really – I didn't have that in my mind when I was 17, 18 years old. I kind of wish that I would have been recruited a little bit heavier because my, my official visits were legendary. I mean, they were – They were awesome. They can't do that anymore. Like, they, oh. they really cut down on what you could do with recruits now. By the way, I, I, I batted a 1,000 with the recruits that I helped host and hosted whenever I was in, on the team too. Whenever it was a big name, I used to get a text. Hey, we got insert name of Noel Devine in town this weekend. <laughs> what are we doing? All right, where are we meeting up at? Let's do it. Let's put on a show for the kid. So Did you happens? ask for his per diem? No. Uh, no, I don't think so. We have guys that would do that sometimes. They give recruits like a little – I think I don't know if they can anymore, but they get some kind of per diem. And the guy, I, we had guys that would try to ask for it, try to get it from the kid. I'm like, well – it's probably not the greatest thing if you really want this kid to come to school here. Ohio State players <laughs> stole from Yikes. recruits. Sending that to Mark Emmert. They also gave away merch for tattoos. So. Let me write that down from recruits and tattoos, which you already know about. 
revisit tattoos. You remember all those people that are tweeting me? Whenever I, I didn't say they stole per diem from recruits. I said they asked huh. the recruits for the per diem. I don't know if the recruits gave it to them or not. So I should say stole slash borrowed. <laughs> Bullied, I think, is the word. Bullied. Asked for it. Hey, don't know if the transaction the actually took word place. Here. Slash borrowed. Okay. Appreciate that, AJ. That's really all we need. <laughs> <laughs> what if this conversation takes down the Ohio State Buckeyes? No more crews. I get calls from the compliance office. <laughs> Asking me questions. How much money did you take from recruits on campus <laughs> visits, AJ? <Hill? laughs> hey, NCAA did a little uh, self-awareness. Did you see that? I'm, I'm actually kind of happy for them. No, what? So the, um, I said this on my show earlier, and I've said it on record. The NCAA is known for sticking their nose into things that they shouldn't stick their nose into. They're, they're known for punishing people that if they didn't punish them, the whole world would be like, yeah, smart move, not punishing that person. They just they overstep their authority on a very regular basis, and nobody truly understands why or what the fuck they're trying to accomplish. They're right? never in front of anything either. They're always reacting to something that goes wrong. They're never, they never get in front of the problem. Always. I mean, they're a reactionary organization. They're, they overstep their authority organization. They're they're what a lot of people hate PR wise just because they've showed themselves not to care about anything other than being greedy corporate fat cats shout out to Teichman okay <laughs> then this Trevor Lawrence situation popped up where he and his girlfriend opened a GoFundMe for coronavirus victims and the compliance officials at Clemson shut that down stat right which by the way if you go by the NCAA rules which is what the compliance officials are supposed to do is enforce the NCAA rules you could see how a GoFundMe could be a bit alarming because you have no idea who's going to be dumping money in there you don't know what's going to happen with the money hey we raised it's like what cops do whenever they do a drug bust or money bust. We raised 50000 when actually you raised 80000 and you're keeping 30000 which, by the way, I'm sure that happens. Not a good thing. But that's why the NCAA and the compliance people are like, we don't know what Trevor and his girlfriend are doing. Although, all signs point to Trevor being an absolute angel, by the way. But you can see how the NCAA and the compliance people would be upset about this because they're buffoons. So, the NCAA <laughs> heard the backlash from the compliance shutting down the biggest star in college football, Trevor Lawrence, by the way. The biggest star in college football, Trevor Lawrence. Maybe going to go down as the greatest college football player of all time, depending on what he does next you year. You think he's going to take T Timmy Tebow's place there? There's a chance. If he wins another national championship, next year in a Heisman and he's going to be guaranteed number one pick I think Trevor Lawrence potentially greatest college football player of all time unbelievable player I, I think his athleticism everything like that but their biggest star was trying to help out during an unprecedented worldwide pandemic and they shut it down because of their own rules the compliance person the NCAA came out due to the backlash and said hey we'll make an exception for this if our biggest star wants to raise money we'll do that good for them open up the GoFundMe again, potential a bunch of money being raised. I don't think the NCAA is just letting Trevor Lawrence and his girlfriend do this without them keeping an eye on the account. I would assume that they're going to watch the account closely, but I think this is a step in the right direction of self-awareness for an organization that isn't normally that. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at that as I feel like the NCAA probably is doing it just to save face and not have any more negative press because Trevor Lawrence is such a star. Right now, there's no live sports happening. This would be gigantic if Trevor Lawrence is trying to help out and the NCAA shuts him down. The question is, let's say the backup long snapper on another team wants to start a GoFundMe to help coronavirus victims. Are they going to let that kid do it? I mean, that'd be positionism if they didn't, wouldn't it? By yeah. the way, that backup long snapper, he's connected. He's got a lot 
lot of, of webs out there spun into different communities and departments that'll be able to raise money for that GoFundMe. But you could see how GoFundMe, Cash App, and Venmo are potential real problems for the NCAA trying to enforce this. You can't give money to anybody who does anything good world. I would assume those kids' Cash Apps, every touchdown that they get, the notifications on their phone are just cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. Even if it's five bucks from students, 10 bucks, let alone a booster gets on there for a hundred bucks to 200 bucks. I mean, I bet you Cash App and Venmo has been a game changer for these players uh, who, who are in big time programs. I would assume. I, I'm not. I, not I would assume Bitcoin would be big because you can't really trace it. You could trace oh, back where a Venmo and Cash App came from. It's true. Yeah, but Bitcoin's fake. I mean, I don't completely understand Bitcoin. I've I've listened to different people that are involved like explain it for hours and hours, and I'm still like, okay, still don't get it. When there you have all these people with. All these servers or computers set up, they're data mining for they're mining for Bitcoin. I'm like, how, what does this mean? Where what was it? Doing? Where was it? They're mining in what? What are they mining in? Because there's a finite amount of Bitcoin supposedly out there, I guess. Where? I know. Who has it? They, where, they where? don't even know who invented it. Well, you gotta mine for it. In what? You gotta mine for it in things that have been created by man? I, that, that makes no sense. So so there's one Bitcoin master at the beginning of this thing that was just sprinkling them in all the code in the deep web. <laughs> they don't even know. Where the hell they don't know. Where the hell was it happening? I don't know. I don't know. I would like to know. I've never seen anybody get rich off Bitcoin. I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I was offered a Bitcoin way back. I didn't pull the trigger because I heard Kim Jong-un was potentially using Bitcoin to power through the team. So I was like, I don't know. And then now a lot of people I respect are into Bitcoin. I'm like, have you, any of you made money off Bitcoin? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, have you, any of you seen money that you have made off Bitcoin? They're like, no, no, I'd be stupid to sell the Bitcoin now. We're going to wait for it to pass. I'm like, yeah, but It's no like when sense. teams, like uh, when I was early on in Green Bay, uh, currency exchange. I don't know if this happened for you in India at all. Guys we're buying up Iraqi dinars. It's the, the currency in Iraq. And like, hey, once the once country gets stabilized, man, phew, we might be billionaires. And we had dudes putting real money into it. And I remember telling them, oh my God. it became the joke. Like, we'd be stretching. Oh, it's about to hit. Yeah, it's about to hit, guys. And I said, the only guy making money is the person charging a fee to have them transfer their cash into Iraqi dinars. That guy's the only guy making money oh out of this. These are just more stories that come out about professional athletes making terrible investments. Terrible investments. You can see how they could get sold on that, though. Buy this money now. It's terrible. Their economy has crashed. Whenever that town comes back, Iraq, you guys are going to be kings of the castle with all this money. It's like pieces of gold over here in America is how they're being sold on that. They're like, deal, give me 100,000 of them. And then they're telling their friends, I just got $4 million if Iraq comes up and it's $100,000. And it turns out they probably changed their money. They probably just changed their money, and that literally is nothing. You might as well just take that to a casino that is crashed, pal, because that money is gone. <laughs> New chips, those don't work. See you later. Or, or the, the currency that you bought, it was fake all along, and you were getting duped from the, from the jump from whoever yeah. was facilitating this whole deal. Yeah. It's like Mark Brunel. Didn't he... Uh, he invested in the uh, floating furniture for floods. Is that what it was? I know it was big real estate stuff. I think that he signed personally on that went under that ultimately got him. But maybe what, floating maybe, furniture. Maybe it wasn't Brunel. Maybe I'm just it was Brunel floating furniture. I mean, he, I don't know what it was specifically, uh, but he ran into major financial trouble, like major. Well, not as not as bad as Kurt Schilling. Oh, oh. yeah. Kurt Schilling was going <laughs> to change the game, as was, by the way, Mark Brunel. Think about these guys, though, whenever they put all this money that they've... How much money are you losing at? His bankruptcy uh, court filings, he uh, had 5 million assets against 25 million in debt. 
So think about how rich he thought he was going to get, though, whenever he put his money into all these things. That's the story that is lost in all these broke stories, you know, that come out about professional athletes. Think about how rich a lot of the dudes thought they were going to be when they were making the investments. Convinced. Floating furniture during floods? <sighs> Fuck a deal, pal. Here's 500000 This is going to make us what? At least $10 million? No problem. This real estate house, it's in a terrible part of town. The town's going to come up, though. Don't worry about it. Give us a million, two million dollars a night. You'll be able to sell that for 5X here in about 5, 10 years whenever this neighborhood comes. That neighborhood never comes. So now, in their minds, not only do they actually physically lose that cash because it's gone, but in their minds, they're losing potential hundreds of millions that they thought were coming in on these incredible investments. Floating couches, by the way, they thought that was going to sell to a venture capitalist company for hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm going to get that. Excuse me. Come here. Give me the real estate. Excuse me. I got a patent pending on it. Excuse me. Here's this. And they're just money's just gone, 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 gone. That's why I always said these guys that are in the stock market, like I appreciate and respect the fact that that's what smart people tell you to do. But when 2008 happens and when today happens and you have no idea where your money went, at least I saw my money get handed from me to the bartender when I bought thousands of shots for people around the country. You know what I mean? Like, at least I got the experience. That that wrestling ring is still here. Yeah, it was a few thousand dollars that I spent. That was probably bad financial uh, decision, but at least it's still here and I can see it. At least I had the moment. These stock market guys and these other businesses guys that do all this, they don't even get to experience their money. But in their minds, they're making hundreds of millions and it's all... The problem about athletes, though, when they do this, they were already rich when they got into this. Like, they were rich when they decided to give all this money out and try to hit it big. And I'm sure you've heard, like, a lot of athletes think, no, it's, isn't it the line from the Facebook movie? Like, you know what's cool? Not Being a millionaire is not cool. Being a billionaire. Like, I've, I've had athletes tell me that. And I'm like, cool. Not going to happen. You're not going to become a billionaire. So why don't you, the big chunk of money that you have made doing what you do best Continue to do that and can continue to make some com conservative investments and let that money grow, and you should be set for the rest of your life. By the way, would be cool to be a billionaire. <laughs> be awesome. Be amazing. You're talking but then what? Guess what, though? You become a billionaire, and you're like, you know what? I need to climb that Forbes list. I need to be number one. I need to have $80 billion. I, you were talking to a person who had plenty of occasions said, I would like to have a billion dollars. So uh, I feel like that was a little bit of a shot at me, but know that if I ever get a billion dollars, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cool with it. I'm just going to be cool with a billion. Like a billion? You want to like be a billion liquid or you want your yeah. net worth to be a billion? How does it work? No, I want, I want, I want the billion to, to, to just sit here. If I, I want a pet billion. It's all about being liquid. Trace Comas. I, I, like, I would like a pet billion dollars that I could potentially pull out and put next to me. That's what I would like. At the end of this thing, I think I'm probably 30, 40 years away from that, which, by the way, never thought I'd survive that long. I always thought I was going to die young. I've changed my mindset. I would like to live a little bit longer now. I would like to live a little bit longer. So I think I'm like 30, 40 years away from that. We're going to go down trying, though. We're going to buy a lot of floating cushions and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that would yeah, be but cool I mean, to have in your pool. It, it, what, mm -hmm. when, it, when is enough? Floating when couches. is enough enough, though, Pat? What? Like. No, you, you got to trust the process, dude. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey, AJ. I mean, Warren Buffett's still working, Pat. Yeah, but he also eats McDonald's in the morning and only spends a buck on that. I would have changed my order about 45, 50 times. He and I are not similar humans. Do we know of any billionaires that just said, good, I'm cool? Like they got out, they stepped down as CEO, and they just maybe they serve on the board of whatever company, but they just hanging out, not really doing anything. Gates? I, there's a, Gates are just stepped sure, down. But there's a bunch of people. When the first internet boom happened, 
a lot of people sold their websites and stuff like that for like 30 million, 60 million, 100 million dollars. Back in the day, if you were getting your website was getting hits that was like 150th of the sites what views that sites are getting now people are buying up your website because they wanted information and stuff like that i've met like four or five different dudes that started internet companies back in the day and sold for like 60 million 120 million. the one guy the 120 million guy he just he came to golf in the round that i was in because the one person that i was supposed to golf with we were supposed to do business together this guy had been chilling for seven years he got 120 million he just been chilling he's fat he had this massive beard. He had this incredible tan. He was drinking. I think it was like 10.30 a.m. He was already getting after it. He's like, oh, yeah, this guy sold his company for $120 million like 10 years ago or whatever. That guy's just been chilling. I think there's a lot of those stories where people get paid out for their companies, and then they just, well, fuck it. I'm out of here. Tom from MySpace. There's a guy. He went on to become just a professional photographer. Hmm. So you can do what you want. Yeah, I, I kind of like that when I hear people step away and just hang out and Me do too. exactly what they want to do. A lot of those guys, too, especially when they were early on in Internet things, a lot of them have turned into these like angel investor guys that mm-hmm. put money into like Uber when it's starting mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Facebook. And they're, they're angel investors. And for every 10 that they do or 20 they do, they hope one of them hits it big. Are you talking about Gary V? <laughs> <laughs> is Gary V an angel investor? Yeah, I guess he is. I'm thinking like Tim, you know, Tim Ferriss. I've heard of him. He's supposed to be really good. Everybody tells me I should listen to his stuff. He's massive, isn't he? Four-hour work week. I mean, I don't. I think you'll have a hard time listening to his podcast. He's really like deliberate and slow talking, and oh. yeah. So I think you may struggle to regain focus or continue to to have some focus of listening to him when he does speak. But he has huge people on his show. I read his book Four Hour Work Week way back in the day when it came out, and yeah, he does great stuff. But all those dudes are always searching like these incubators for these companies that are going to be the next big thing and they're going to pump money into them and hope they're big and they're going to have a nice little equity position i would like to let tim ferris know that there is a small business in indiana that he could buy for a few hundred million dollars but then what would you do if you sold oh dude what are you talking island bro see ya i'm on an island but if he buys your business he wants to buy you yeah, see, that's he what we got to work you. on. He needs the boys. Yeah, we got to work on. Yeah, we got to work on that. We well, he, don't, he don't need us. Loophole. Well, he does need the boys. Yeah, does need the boys. Not all of them. Well, that's for sure, but he does need the boys in yeah. general. True. Come on, they're so negative over there. Yeah. Well, we're just realistic. These guys are <laughs> negative. <laughs> I think they're selling themselves short. I think they. Agreed. I think Tim Ferriss needs you. When Tim Ferriss buys Pat McAfee, Inc. for $380 million next year, like it's going to be a package deal. Like it's not just Pat. The, the crew has to come with. Yeah. Absolutely. By the way, everything I've done has been package deals. Literally. Are you okay? Are you that loyal to where, because I've seen this presented in movies, maybe where they come to you and they're like, Pat, Hey, I know. we'll give you 250 mil. Yeah. I need you to come out to LA, hang out, do your show from there. It'd be great. Stress-free. We'll have everything set up for you. We'll, we'll grow it. It's going to be gigantic, but here's the thing. Just you. Leave the guys home. Yeah, I'd give the boys each like two, three million dollars and dip. I'd say you guys got to figure out how to fucking make money on your own. And I think we'd be okay with that. <laughs> Hell yeah, <laughs> two, three million. Are you kidding me, Connor? But yeah. each, if I were you guys though, each of you, <laughs> Pat should sit in a big boardroom somewhere, and they get to each come in one at a time and make a presentation that we film, and they tell you what they think they're yes. worth to you, and no. you decide how much to give them. No, it's not about what they. Oh, you're talking about in that particular situation? Yeah, where you're like, okay, Pat, I know you're supposed to give like a, you, you said you're going to give two mil to everybody here. But let's say Cuban Zeke comes into your office. He's like, hey, Pat, listen, I get it. 
Those guys should have two million. Look at me. I need five. You know how valuable I am. <laughs> and then he lays out all these facts. He, he lays out like he he puts together like a PowerPoint deck of all these all the numbers. He, he runs some analytics on how valuable he is. And you're like, you know what? You're right. Five mil. You write him a check right there. No. So what I, I think we would do now. This would be a hilarious situation, and we were pretty close. Not the number you said, but <laughs> a number where we were able to potentially have this conversation almost happened. Would you have continued your show and everything? Uh, yeah, I, I'm too active. You're not, there's no way you, if someone gave you $1 billion tax-free right now, Pat, okay, $1 billion in a duffel bag, I still don't think you could just go hang out. I agree. I 100% agree. That's why my island that I'm going to move to will have good Wi-Fi. Right? I will be active. I will still be creating things. I think I'd want to invest in stuff that I see from other places. I, I would just hang out, though. I'm, I'm okay, you know, kind of disappearing for a little bit. And then ultimately reemerging, obviously, probably running for president or something. <laughs> like, that would be a cool thing. But the, the conversation about if I got broken off and given to the boys, like, I think there would be, there'd be a payment period where they would each get a couple million or whatever. And then there would be a pitch where they would have companies that they would like to start that I think we would also probably like to help fund. If so you would blow money. all of the billion dollars trying to invest in these floating furniture. <laughs> floating <laughs> furniture. I would. I would. Uh, so let's be smart about this. Obviously, AJ, you've had to do this with the amount of contracts you've had. You take the amount of money. You're like, okay, this is what I would like to keep to live forever. This is the amount of money for my family, for me, my parents. Blah blah blah. You name it. Right. You take that money. Now this money right here. This is what we like to call. House money. This is not my money. This is money that we are just trying to do whatever, have a good time with, spread the love, donate, things like that. Charities, causes, businesses, friends' businesses. That's what I think the right move would be if you ever get to that situation. In my eyes, I think that's the right move. I think that's a that's some sound advice. Yeah, you figure out what your your monthly nut is, what you need. Hopefully, live off your interest and then have yeah have this money set aside. Like the, the, your house money, everything, you're not really going to touch for stuff like that. But then you have this house money that's kind of fun. And maybe I can hit a unicorn and all of a sudden have a company that 400x uh, on my investment, something like that. Bingo. Bingo. But you have to talk. You need to sit and talk to professionals on what that amount may be. You may think that you may put too much into that account. Yeah. I'm sure those professionals won't be lying to my fucking face to get themselves some money. Okay. Is everybody a bad guy? It's always hard to get the proper nutrition into your body, whether you're on the go, whether you're working, or maybe you're just lazy and don't really think about it. A company has come along and made one scoop to make your life a better one, and that's our friends at Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a one-stop shop for everything that your body could possibly fucking need from a nutritional standpoint in one clean scoop. I, I am a big fan of this Athletic Greens. I've never taken care of myself. I'm a noted poor eater, poor drinker, poor liver. And now that we've been on this run here for the last 11, 12 weeks, the thing that I've noticed that has saved me just a little bit has been my scoop of Athletic Greens. And I also have travel packets, which have worked out perfectly for everything we have to get going right now. You need to get this into your daily routine because your nutritional needs need you to have you ready 
for whatever the day throws at you. You struggle to get in nutrient-dense fruit and veggies. You're looking to overcome gut health issues or nutrient deficiencies. You just don't feel as good as you used to. You travel frequently or struggle to eat as well on the road. You're an athlete or professional seeking enhanced performance. You don't want to take multiple supplements at home or on the road. If all of these things are yeses or any of these things are yeses, you need to get with Athletic Greens right now. Your body's nutritional needs change due to stress, travel, sleep patterns, exercise, and the imperfect diet. Even with a balanced, healthy diet, it can be tough to cover your nutritional bases. That's why top performers, athletes, executives, and entrepreneurs trust Athletic Greens. Right now, you can get 20 free travel packs, which is valued at $79 with your first purchase whenever you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash pat that's 20 free travel packs which is valued at 79 dollars for free when you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash pat respect your body appreciate your body fill it up with the right shit athletic greens has all the good shit for you athleticgreens.com forward slash pat 20 free travel packets what do you think about Joe Montana saying somebody in New England made a mistake letting Tom Brady go? I think it's pretty accurate. I mean, I guess, I guess we'll find out. They, let, they just let Steven Goskowski go too, by the way. If they don't find a kicker that's worth a single damn, a lot of people are going to question that move even though they're not really talking about it. Letting Tom Brady go, are they going to rebuild if they don't have success? And if Tom goes out and shows out like Peyton Manning did at Denver after the Colts cut him, I mean, there's going to be a lot of regret, I think, potentially, just like there was in Indianapolis, I think, by a lot of the fans watching Peyton Manning break a lot of NFL records in a Denver Broncos jersey after he was cut from the Indianapolis Colts. I would assume that same type of feeling could happen from New England Patriots fans if Tom Brady goes out there and just slings it and the Patriots aren't worth a damn next year. Well, But Peyton's a little different, though. He was coming off the, the elbow situation, right? So the Colts didn't know. Elbow, neck, back, whatever they did. To he had the nerve damage, so he didn't know if he could throw like he used to. Yep. So they didn't really know if he was going to be able to continue playing. And we saw he played, what, two years in Denver and won a Super Bowl? Three, two, three. Two or three. Went to two Super Bowls, though. Yeah, so it's either two or three. He went to two remember Super Bowls. That, remember the first Super Bowl that he went to when he got beat when the first – snap of the game yeah. went over his head for a safety and then that was the game the seahawks defense entire legion yep. of boom knew every single thing he was saying he would go out and give a signal to the wide receiver in richard sherman earl thomas and um cam, cam chancellor. chancellor cam chancellor and all browner that. uh yeah, Brandon Brandon browner. Browner. is he he was in jail right now what did he do he, oh, he's yeah. in jail for a he while he was very tall brandon browner's in jail yeah yeah patriots scumbag yeah he he won back-to-back <laughs> super bowls one with seattle and the one after with new england what did he do Something bad. on it. Anyways, they knew exactly what Peyton was doing as soon as he gave the signal out to the wide receiver. They knew exactly what he was doing every single time. That was awesome to watch almost. I mean, it was an absolute blowout in the Super Bowl, which we don't see happen too often, I guess. But, man, yeah, it was, it, that was the one in New York, too, where they got very lucky that it didn't have a full-blown blizzard for oh, the game. Yeah. Remember they were talking about possibly moving the game to a Monday if this crazy storm came in? All of a sudden it was like 50 degrees and that in was February in New York? That was shortly after the one in Dallas where ice was happening and people were so was at that one? Yeah. You went to that one? Yeah, I played in that one. Did you guys win that one? Yeah. Yeah! Yeah, you did! Let's right. go! AJ Hawk! AJ Hawk! AJ Hawk! AJ Hawk! I was reading about. No, he beat the Steelers. Don't. I was, I was so reading fast. about 
Brandon Brown's attempted murder case. Oh, attempted okay. murder? Yeah, he's in jail. Yeah. Jeez. yeah, he's in jail. He How did. long did he get? Eight. Eight years. Oh, shit. So he got found guilty for that. Oh, he did it. If what I'm reading is correct. A jury of his peers. Pled no Does contest. attempted murder mean like you went and tried and you just didn't stab him enough? Or is it like you were thinking about it? <laughs> no, like you did actually stab them, but they didn't end up dying he, from being stabbed. He allegedly physically harmed and made threats to kill the victim. Oh, that's not good. Not good. Uh, I assume that would be difficult to prove. They probably have text, voice recordings. I'm guessing there's a lot of, a lot of things backing them up. Yeah, but I feel like I've watched enough documentaries. If you have good money, you can have a good lawyer. You can get a jury, the right jury, you know? That's interesting. Well, maybe they did. Maybe he was looking at 30 years, and his lawyer got him eight. Well, I think he pled no contest, which mm -hmm. he refused to say that he was guilty, but he didn't want to go to court. That's what no contest means, right? Oh, he didn't go to trial? No contest means you didn't. You, that's, a, that's a plea, I think. You're not deemed guilty, but you're not deemed innocent. Is that, is that what it is? That's what Paul taught us. Yeah, he, I mean, everything goes, everyone pleads down. Like, everyone pleads, it seems like, because he, he was probably faced like, hey, if we go to trial and you lose, he could have been looking at 25, 30 years. Or you can take a plea of no contest and serve eight. And he's like, man, eight sucks, but I don't want 30. <laughs> That's the risk. It's a risky play. You watch a lot of crime stuff? Yeah. I mean, I've read all, like, the OJ books and... Kuklinski, the guy, uh, the the Iceman killer. I hope you oh, saw this Richard HBO Kuklinski. show back in the day. It's a great book about Hitman. Was, yeah, we're deep into that. The Kuklinski interview, I think it was on HBO, where he, they had him walk down the hallway and then he sat down with his cup of coffee and talked for like 10 hours straight about how he killed people. And then he would just get up and just stroll back to his uh, cell. And then the next day they come up, stroll out, drink his coffee, talk about how he murdered people and put them in ice trucks and then dispose their bodies two weeks later. They had no idea how dead they were. Then drank his coffee and then strolled back and then came back another day. That was a wild series. I don't know if anything like that will ever be done again. You, that was an actual hired assassin just talking very openly about everything he did in a very matter-of-fact manner. I've never... That was a mind-blower for me. Yeah, there's like no emotion in it. He just... God just laid out the facts on these different people he would kill and the oh well this guy i chopped him up and i put his body in a hole and then i put his i, I grinded up his head in a, in a meat grinder so they know no one could identify him and he's just so like matter of fact and dead serious and then, and then he's like and then i went home and wrapped my kids christmas presents and then what happened ultimately is we got too sloppy we were killing too many people he's like, that's that really how it, what happened? That's how it ended. He started hiring other people to do killings for him and he was like uh, we became too big of a business we got too sloppy I heard you like the paint houses. Oh, there's another the, the, Irishman. Yeah, but the, the Jimmy Hoffa, right? Mm -hmm. That's the guy's yeah. name. Yes. Hey. Well, he's where's he at? You think? I think he's alive somewhere. Jimmy Hoffa's dead, 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 dead. <laughs> he's very dead. Where's his body then? Well, that's why Under I, Ford Field. Ford Field. How was the Meadowlands? <laughs> Well, Ford Field because Detroit is where he was from or whatever. The Meadowlands is where the mafia was obviously based at. So it's two different stories there. Diggs is Italian, so I'm sure his family has an entire spell on where he's potentially at. Yeah, the Jimmy Hoffa situation is weird. I mean, the Irishman shows you, I guess, kind of what was happening a little bit. I read that book, I Hear You Paint Houses, a while ago, too. It's good. I didn't know a whole lot about it. I just knew the name Jimmy Hoffa. I knew, like, oh, what he was. Well, he's head of the union. Was that his title? Oh, yeah, yeah. Truckers. Truck, truck he, union, he handled. Yeah. He had so much power because if he shut down this is my trucking, union. if he shuts down trucking, we're, we're screwed. That's why the trucking's still going on now in this 
pandemic, we need them. We need all those people. Tim McAfee was a trucker. The backbone of America. Hell yeah, brother. Are the truck drivers. I know your dad can build anything. I know I was talking to him. He was saying like your box truck that you set up for your mobile show. Mm-hmm. Like Pat, yeah, oh yeah, we know we got this box truck. And Pat said, Dad, you think you could do it? And I said, All right, cool. How much time? Said, you got like 14 days. Cool. Awesome. Two weeks. Sounds good. Made it happen. It was a Tim McAfee production. I'll tell You're you lucky what. to have Tim McAfee in your life. I agree. You but mm, some ways. <laughs> some some what are the way, other ways. What are the what are the non? It's just Tim McAfee. Ways? Like it's it just I don't know how to fully. It's just Tim McAfee. But yeah, I'm very lucky to have Tim McAfee in my life. Was a truck driver. You know, taught me hard work and grit and everything like that. Hero of mine growing up and still to this day. And did build a box truck studio in about 14 days. One pushed under the gun with zero experience in that type of field. I mean, that's impressive. Where's the box truck now? It's in a, uh, a warehouse on the north side here. It's big. It's a target. Times. It's a target. Yeah. Good times in that box truck. But the first week, right, it was like 7,000 degrees in there. <laughs> the next week, it was freezing cold. So there yeah. was some things that we had to kind of juke and jive. Mark Snare, Popeye was the driver. <laughs> I mean, we had it. That, Tim McAfee and Mark Snare are a, a, uh, a duo there that really got that thing done. Yeah. Who's the next quarterback to sign, Pat? Cam Newton. When? You know what? I don't know. That's a great question because will it be before the draft or after the draft? If you're the Chargers, are you trying to sign him before the draft or are you waiting to see what happens in the draft to see if you get Air Bear or potentially if you somehow make a move and get Tua or somebody else? I mean, do you wait and see if that happens? And if it doesn't work, you're like, yeah, we still got Cam Newton we could sign. Or do you think somebody's going to sign Cam Newton before the draft? I mean, I guess that is a real question the teams have to have. There has to be a sense of urgency, especially with these videos he's putting on the Internet. I think he's hungry, pal. I think he's ready to go. I I would sign Cam Newton tomorrow. I would. I think he's hungry, pal. I like how he said that. Well, one thing I did read that was interesting, he said – the Chargers, people think he's going to go there, of course. Yep. But the Chargers weren't super hot. They didn't come after Cam when he was available for trade. Yeah, but I, so, think, I, I think nobody wanted to trade with the Panthers because they knew nobody was going to trade for Cam. But if you really wanted him, if you felt like he, hey, he's our guy, he's our franchise guy, we True. want him to lead our organization, you don't want to give 30 other teams a chance to go after him. That's a very true statement. And I, I Nick Foles, I guess they trade, the Bears were willing to trade for that. You know what I mean? For that deal that came with it, eighty million dollar deal or whatever. That just that just shows me the Chargers aren't one hundred percent sure that Cam Newton is the answer. That's right. I mean, that's real. What if or Cam, what if with Cam their Newton, contract situation they felt like maybe they couldn't work it out with his current contract, what he owed, so they said, We're gonna take a chance and hopefully get him once he's released. Do you think Cam Newton takes anything less than what he was gonna get paid last year, which is twenty one million? I think he may be forced to take less, yeah. You're believing that article that said he's going to be a backup next year, aren't you? No, I don't think he's going to be a backup, no. I, I don't think he would even put himself in that position. And they're I think wherever he goes, they're going to have to pay him a, more. He's going to be on the war path wherever he goes, don't you think? I mean, you said Yo, he's yeah. hungry, pal. He's, he's hungry. hungry, pal, but he's, they're going to have to pay him more than $21 million then if he's going to be the starting quarterback. No, they're not. Yeah, they he's are. Not gonna, he can sign like a, a one-year prove-it deal for $14 million or something. No way. As a With starter? incentives possible to reach $20 million, with incentives that you probably never reach. They'll probably get to the $25 million incentives then. Yeah, but that, it's going to be like, oh, you got to lead the league in punting to get an extra three mil. Like they used to do all that. They don't do that anymore in contracts. That used to be in people's contracts. The incentives used to be hilarious. People Just were, for the agents to make themselves look good. We signed a three-year, $750 million deal, 745 of it 
which will be incentivized on good play, which will happen. For instance, he gets a $300 million incentive in his contract if he kicks two field goals. Yes, we know he's a wide receiver, but there is an opportunity where two field goals could happen. Kickers kick field goals all the time. He only needs two of them for an extra $300 million. Also, if he plays in 99.9% of the plays this year, he will see another $150 million. And if he's on pace to potentially play in the 99.9% of the games, and we don't have playoffs on the line, there is a chance that the coach will abruptly pull him out of the game for a certain amount of plays that make sure he does not get the 99.9% playing bonus that he also had in that contract. I mean, there was shit in those contracts that was just complete trash. Complete yeah, trash. I'm glad they've gotten away from that. Like, it's just, it, it, There's no reason for it, I feel like, hey, to have that. You might kick a field goal. Well, maybe. That's what I mean, if, I was, if I'm a receiver and I have an extra 300 mil, on the line for me kicking a field goal, you know what? I am absolutely in collusion with all my teammates. Hey guys, I'll give you each 200k. Well, I'm gonna run just before the coach can call a timeout. I'm gonna sprint out there. I don't have to make it. I just got to attempt this thing. Let me kick one of these. I might kick on second down a few times and try to get that three. <laughs> Oh my God! I didn't even think about your teammates looking out for you. Like, all right, now's the time. We got it. We know what we got to do. Uh, who's holding? Running back. All right, you hold. All right, we'll uh, direct snap it to him. I'll I'll kind of block the left side here. You just come into motion and kick that thing. <laughs> I, I would even, tell the refs too. Like, hey, if you, if my coach is calling a timeout, he doesn't mean it. He doesn't. Don't listen to him. <laughs> I've seen and heard stories about coaches benching players whenever they have a play percentage bonus on the line. I've heard that's a thing, but do you think it's the coach? If it was like a coach that had all the power and he was the GM too, I can understand. But coaches aren't tied to that, but they are getting pressure from the owner. Like, you know, if the owner's on the sideline in the third and fourth quarter and you got a guy that is close to that playtime incentive, that owner might just yeah, bring in the righty. He might tap his arm or something to get him out of here. That used to happen. That used to happen. That's why the players are so uh, up in arms about the amount of percentages that they are getting paid because sometimes the contracts that you hear about are a bunch of bullshit. Last thing here before we go, AJ. This is a quote from Bruce Arians on the Rich Eisen show. Okay. This is what Bruce Arians. When he friend was, of the program. He is a friend of the show. I know. You friends of Bruce Arians? No, I mean Rich Eisen. Oh, sorry. Rich Eisen, friend of this program. Bruce Arians and Rich Eisen, friend of the show. Bruce Arians called two teams to recommend Jameis to them as a free agent quarterback. His quote to Rich Eisen, I've called a couple teams. You're going to get one of the hardest workers you've ever had and a great young man. It didn't work out for us only because Tom Brady was available and we had Teddy Bridgewater if that wouldn't have worked out. We were going full steam ahead back with Jameis if it wasn't for that. He's a great young man and no one is going to outwork him. So Bruce Aarons <laughs> says... Didn't work out for us because Tom Brady was available. We could have never expected Tom Brady to be available. Honestly, could you? Could, did anybody think we didn't know he was available? And then also, Teddy Bridgewater was also available. But if not for those two, we're going full speed ahead with Jameis. And he said he was calling teams on behalf of Jameis. And if he was saying that, I would love to hear the other side. But uh, so you're saying uh, Tom and Teddy both better than? Okay, got it. So we shouldn't sign him. Is what we're saying. No, I think Bruce legitimately. 
likes Jameis. He told us that that's the reason why he went back to the Buccaneers when he could have went to a couple different places to be the head coach. He chose Tampa, basically, after a year of retirement because he liked Jameis Winston. I think whenever he found out that Tom Brady could be on the table, he was like, wait a fucking minute. And then whenever he was like, Teddy Bridgewater, we like Teddy Bridgewater. This year has just been so different for quarterbacks. I don't think he meant that as a shot at Jameis Winston, but boy, I think it really could sound that way if you take it that way. Well, this is why I love Bruce Arians. I like people like that give their real opinion. There was no reason for Bruce Arians to add Teddy Bridgewater into this. <laughs> Zero no, reason. Not. Only negative things can come for Jameis from adding Teddy. Like, uh, Teddy's got to get a little juice from that, don't you think? Teddy's like, oh, okay, cool. Like it's a little confidence booster for him, but that for Jameis, it's got a. I can't feel great, and it's not the the best endorsement to other teams. Wait, hey, he was third in line. If, if everything else fell through, we were riding hard with Jameis. Like, that's basically what he said. But the fact that he threw Teddy Bridgewater, were they that high on Teddy Bridgewater? I guess so. By the way, Carolina Panthers very high on Teddy Bridgewater, kicking Cam Newton out. Man, Teddy better have a good year. Teddy could have got a lot of money from a lot of places, it sounds like. He was going to get offers from Tampa. He got, obviously, from Carolina because he and Joe Brady were together back in the Saints a couple years back. But, boy, it really feels like Teddy Bridgewater had a massive market. Was Teddy Bridgewater's market bigger than Tom Brady's market? That'll be determined. I know the Carolina Panthers weren't interested in Tom Brady. Obviously, they got at least seven years with Matt Rule, but they wanted Teddy Bridgewater to move forward with. That was insane. Bruce Aaron saying that, though, was hilarious. Uh, Updated breaking news. The Indianapolis 500 normally in May here in Indianapolis has been moved to August. That's a shame. August. Just going to watch. By the way, Teddy's $21 million, Same as what Cam would have got paid. Yeah, three years, 63, mm-hmm. 21 million. 18th ranked in the NFL is 21 million. So they're paying Teddy Bridgewater exactly what Cam Newton would have made next year. Literally just said. Uh, and if if Drew Brees wouldn't have hurt his thumb last year, the, the market would not have been nearly of what it was for Teddy Bridgewater. He stepped in and played well when he got an opportunity. He gained a lot. His stock rose a lot last season when he stepped in for Drew Brees and kept the things on the rails and, and they kept winning. But if Drew doesn't get hurt, where does Teddy go? Does he get anywhere near this money? No way. No way. I bet you he resigns with the Saints probably for a cheaper deal. I mean, that's the league. That's what the league is. Like Whenever you're presented with an opportunity, if you capitalize on it, you'll get rewarded. And that's good for Teddy. But, man, it's weird how all the pieces have to fall in place. That's what Tom Brady said uh, to Peyton Manning. He said, I don't care. If you're the first pick or pick 199, which he was, if you get an opportunity, don't waste it. And that's how he's lived his entire life, he told Peyton Manning. And that's why Tom said, Brady's Tom Brady. He said, Brady. don't waste it because you're, you're not going to get another chance, especially if you're the 199th pick. If you're pick 199, buddy, you're going to get about a half an opportunity. And if you don't make the absolute most of that, you're now pick uh, one in the backyard football league. No. Get the fuck out. <laughs> that's really how the nfl is all right it's if, been a good if show. that was on your mind though i know we're, we're gonna wrap up if that was on your mind though don't you think you may be that may give me a little bit of anxiety if i was thinking about that when i got my one if i was a quarterback especially the quarterback position how tough would that be if you knew you knew like hey this is my chance Whew, this is it i will say this as a kicker or punter it really does feel as if you're right in the first couple years when you go on the field it's like, oh, this could be the last one. Honestly, this could be the last one. I felt that way until my, until I got franchise tag, basically, all the way up until that point. I was like, every punt could be it. 
And they weren't yeah. all good, by the way. There was a couple where I probably should have got cut. Shout out Bill Polian for having something else to do, I guess. <laughs> I will fucking cut him next week. Ah, we got to get rid of another guy. Once he tweets a picture of Andrew Luck naked, we'll cut him after that. <laughs> I wasn't tweeting then. Please have a little respect. I didn't start tweeting really until I got good. Really? Yeah, I don't think you should talk until you're good. I pay, It's all relative, though. I think some people may think they're good when they're not that great. Bingo. And that's the name of this show, McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. Hit that thing. Look good, feel good. Feel good, play good. Play good, pay good. Pay good, live good, live good, die good. All right, team. I can't thank you enough for rocking with us through this entire thing. And we're all battling. We're all kicking the dog shit out of this coronavirus together. And we can't thank you enough for listening and watching and doing your absolute best to try and keep yourself distracted in the wild time that we're currently living. But remember, when you have the viewpoint that there are no problems, only situations, and in situations arise opportunity, you can realize that this is all just going to be a story someday, and we've been through worse. Let's keep chugging along. And big thanks to future president of the United States, Coach P.J. Fleck, for stopping by. And all the other guests from the week. And all the boys at the office. From all of us to all of you. Cheers. Tweet us. Hashtag, this is where I'm at, Pat, with a photo of yourself hanging out. Could win some free merch. And also, it's cool for me to see the people that are listening to us talk a bunch of dumb, dumb nonsense into a microphone. Ty Schmidt. Please play some independent music and send these beautiful people into the greatest weekend of their life for the current conditions that they could possibly have. You get it. See you guys next week.